This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. There's one particular hormone that's, that's, that is extremely destructive, and it's cortisol. Most people who come here know cortisol is being bad. They've looked on the internet and cortisol is bad, 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 bad. But it's not until there's too much of it. Cortisol helps us to maintain our blood sugar. Cortisol uh, works with certain chemicals in balance with our sex hormones. Cortisol, it helps to modulate our immune system in a good way until it's too much. And when is it too much? When you're in chronic fight flight and you're putting out too much cortisol. And what does the cortisol do? I'm just gonna give you kind of like the cliff notes part here because this, is, this could be like you know, a 20 hour lecture. But, 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 but the core of it, what you need to understand is the stress hormone cortisol has a wonderful affinity to damage your frontal lobe. Here's the symptoms, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, okay? So, uh, so it's, it's rare that you're gonna have those without being in a chronic fight flight response. Uh, cortisol has been shown to create inflammation in the brain and be part of virtually every migraine that's ever been. There's a couple of parts to a migraine, but cortisol, the stress hormone, is a huge part of creating the chemistry that you're now starting to see online that, that they're ultimately making drugs for to, to take care of your migraines. It's, it's the, 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 the tightness in your neck, that headache that you're taking medicine for, you're going to the chiropractor for, the massage therapist, or the acupuncture physical therapist, and it won't ever go away, that tightness in the neck, and going all the way down into your shoulders and all the way down your back, the cerebellum, causes that, well, I thought we were talking about cortisol. Yeah, we are. The cerebellum is supposed to be shutting down the stress response, but when it's going like this all the time, cerebellum wears down, stiffness in the neck, dizziness, balance, blurred vision, all of those things come secondary from that mechanism. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a big, they, they actually are now thinking that it is one of the causes of the immune inflammation that attacks the thyroid, better known as Hashimoto's, uh, the things that we see an awful lot, chronic sinus infections, you have a chronic sinus infection, you've gone to the doctor, you've gone to the allergy guy, you've had your deviated septum removed, you've had holes plugged up in there, and you still are getting chronic sinus problems. It's because, it's because we talk now about 70% of your immune system being on the inside of your intestine, okay? But it's actually in the inside of your intestines, on the inside of your lung cavity, on the inside of your throat, and on the inside of your, your nasal passage. And we step back a, a minute to where we talked about cortisol being part of what helps to modulate your immune system. So it goes to those areas to help alert the immune system to invaders coming in and, and, and calling out <coughs> to white blood cells and things like this uh, to, to get a, a lot of the immune system, neutrophils and everything, to come and attack until it becomes the problem. Cortisol in high doses is called catabolic, it's destructive. So those very tissues that it normally helps, it starts destroying. Now you start getting chronic sinus infections. Now you start getting food sensitivities because cortisol, remember, we go back now to the fight flight response. The stress response does what? Shuts down your throat. So a lot of times if you're chronically stressed, you're one of the patients that can't swallow pills, that feels like you got a lump in your throat, that can't swallow, those types of things. Frequently, that's the stress response overwhelming the cranial nerves here. But remember, when you're in fight flight, it's shutting down the throat, it's shutting down the intestines and the bladder. So it shuts down the stomach and the intestines also, okay? 
shuts down the stomach and the intestines. It shuts down the lungs. This is the number one cause of chronic uh, non-pathological asthma, athletic asthma, is chronic stress hormones or immune inflammation. But chronic stress hormones play a big part in these chronic asthma cases. But the gut is like the huge thing. The, most people understand that stress causes ulcers. And they, people have known that my whole lifetime, okay? So, but now we know why. We now know it kills hydrochloric acid in the stomach, and then you can't digest your proteins, and now the protein sits there, and it becomes acidic, and now what do you do? You go to the doctor, they say, I got acid ingestion, and they give you an antacid, a meprazole, and they tell you to take this, which now kills what little hydrochloric acid you have left, and kind of duplicates the physiological effect on your stomach and your intestines that's already being caused by the stress response. This is bad, because now you're not making hydrochloric acid, you're not digesting your proteins, that becomes acidic. This is the number one cause of gallbladder is not working, because, the, because there's a signal sent from the stomach to the gallbladder to say, hey, don't work. There's a signal sent to the, that was called cholecystokinon, that's a, that's a hormone. There's another uh, signal that's sent to the pancreas that said, don't work, because the pancreas and the gallbladder all empty into the same area that the food empties into, um, which is the duodenum right below your stomach. And so your, your body's wired to make sure that those try to not get infected or inflamed. But once you have this stress response that's shutting down the, the, uh, the, the ability to make hydrochloric acid in your stomach, then it starts doing that. Now, long-term, that stress response kills those parietal cells that are making the gastrin and the hydrochloric acid, which are the chemical things for the chemical nerdy guys out there. And once, once, uh, once that happens and it keeps happening, that's when you get an ulcer, okay? And when, then you get an ulcer and then what happens? You can't kill bacteria, you get H. pylori. You can't kill bacteria, you get small intestinal bacterial overgrowth because these bacteria either sit in your stomach or make their way into your intestine. These stress hormones have an affinity for the inside of your intestines because cortisol is part of the immune system. 70% of your immune system is on the inside of your intestines. It's called secretory IgA. That starts getting damaged. It starts flaring up. And the next thing you know, you, get, you, start, getting, um, you start getting leaky gut from that. You start getting food sensitivities. While you're in fight flight, your, your intestines are shut down. So it's not only, so, so, so in the long term, it's, it, it's, it's uh, um, you know, creating inflammation in there, which creates all this other type of symptoms, but it also decreases blood supply to your intestines. It also overwhelms this stress response, okay? I, don't, I can't see how high I need to hold this, but this stress response, okay, that's going from here, is shutting down your, your, your parasympathetic nervous system. Well, your vagus nerve, which it comes from right here, is what controls your bowel movements. This is the number one cause of constipation, by far. There are other causes, don't get me wrong, but this is the number one cause. Oh, what else is here? The mechanisms to filter out pain is here. So if you have a central pain syndrome, like, uh, like uh, fibromyalgia um, or, or some of these other central pain syndromes, like reflex sympathetic dystrophy, it's partially or largely because your stress response is overwhelming this area. This is a big part of those things. And when you and so so this this is like they're now calling irritable bowel syndrome, constipation or diarrhea three days a month for for more than three months. They're now calling that irritable brain syndrome. And the last thing I I, I see a lot here, uh, particularly in women, 
Uh, two last things. I, I, I just did a I just did a talk just a, a few minutes ago before we started this on infertility. Okay, this is a huge part of causing infertility, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, those types of things, and it's also the number one cause of chronic cystitis, pain in your bladder. Because again, when you're in short-term fight flight, your bladder is like is like your bladder is shut down. Okay, but when you're in long-term fight flight. I mean, when you're, you, you have constipation, at some point, you know, your, 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 your small intestines are, are having to empty into your large intestines. And at some point, even though your brain's telling it to shut down, you, you know, your, 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 your bowel, you have a separate nervous system in there is going, I gotta go, I'm full. It's the same thing with the bladder. The bladder fills up, it's confused. The brain's telling it, I'm in chronic fight flight, don't pee. The, but there are reflexes in the inside of the bladder going, I gotta pee. And because I'm getting full up, then you start getting pain. Next thing you know, you, 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 you urinate, okay? For those of you who like urination better than pee, you urinate. And then the next thing you know, because there's an abnormality in the way this functions, you get urine in your urinary tract, and this is the number one cause of chronic urinary tract infection. So what, 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 what happens to those? You go to the doctor, they give, you, they give you antibiotics, right? And what does it do? It screws up the stomach that's already being screwed up by the same mechanism that's causing you chronic urinary tract infection. And I go on with this for like ages. Oh my God, there's like so many, it literally affects or can affect literally every single cell in your body. So when somebody comes in with a chronic condition and, and, and they've been through, um, they've been through um, everything and, they, and, and they're taking uh, and, and they're taking medications for their, for their depression or for their panic attacks or for their anxiety. And they're, and they're taking med medications for their gut and they've changed their diet and they're, and they're doing all of these things. They really haven't addressed the chronic fight flight response. That person's never going to get better. They might get better for short periods of time. They might have certain things get better. Maybe you go on a, maybe you find out you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which we're probably going to talk about the next, in the next, uh, uh, presentation, and then you get on the FODMAP diet, and then you take the, let's say berberine is one of probably a dozen things you can use uh, to get rid of those bacteria, and they go away for a week <laughs> or two. So you're, you're, you're starving it, you're killing it, they go away for a week or two, or maybe even six weeks, and then it comes back. Why? Because the perfect, perpetuating factor is the stress response that's killing the hydrochloric acid in the stomach that's not allowing you to have the hydrochloric acid that should be killing any new bacteria that's creating that, and that has to be taken care of. And it's, and it's, it's, you know, it's the biggest challenge. Honestly, it's the biggest challenge is to get that brain under control. We use a number, we use a variety of, of, of complementary approaches, but it's a little different for each person. And sometimes when that person is in chronic fight flight, I mean, if they get up to like a seven, maybe a, definitely a nine or a 10, you may have to go to the to the to the lengths of of, of, of counseling. We've sent people to traumatic uh, tra trauma counselors. We have uh, a clinical hypnotherapist that we work with. There are functional psychiatrists. I'm here in Reno, Nevada, so these people are here in Reno, Nevada, um, that we work with. Because sometimes even brain rehab exercises and self-guided meditations and tapping exercises and herbs and botanicals and nutraceuticals and neurotransmitters aren't enough for when that brain gets so, what we call it, we call it sympathetic wind up 
when it when when you get sympathetic wind up, I mean, you just came back from you know the the war in Afghanistan or 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 something like that, and you've had one of those experiences, you've been in the middle of combat, then that has to be done. If I have a patient that comes in and they are in that situation, or if I have a patient that comes in and I just have I've had one or two in the past couple of weeks who are in the middle of a massive trauma, like you're in the middle of a divorce, and it's just divisive, and you're going to court. And who knows, I even had one where they, they, they couldn't afford to live apart, so they were still living in the same house. You're not getting a person better when that type of trauma is there day in and day out. Those people, I will advise, no matter how sick they are, that they need to get through that first. Then they can come in, and then we can start working on them, and then we'll get a response. Because trying to overcome that, you know, it's like having this massive fire and trying to put it out with like a garden hose. So these are like the perspectives I'm trying to give you relative to the stress response. Uh, because, and, and I even have people come in here and, and say they're not stressed. How, how do you know you're stressed? How do you know if you're in this response? One of the things I talked about was th this, uh, I can't go to sleep, I wake up, I can't go back to sleep. That's largely a stress response and a blood sugar response. And, and that cortisol also screws up your blood sugar as well as causes all those stress responses. Another thing is, um, if you find yourself, if you, if you close your eyes just gently and you find your eyes fluttering like that, that's called blepharo flutter. That is, blepharo means eyelid, okay, like that. Um, that. That'll show you. If you have clamminess on your palms and clamminess on your feet, and oh, that's just me, you know, that, no, it's not just you. You're in a fight flight syndrome. If you're one of those people who are sitting there and rattling your leg all the time or doing something like that, that is an instinctive response of your nervous system to move some body part that will send stimulation back to your cerebellum. If we go all the way back to about 20 minutes ago and I said the cerebellum is what is supposed to shut down the stress response, then that, that's an indicator that, that you're in that fight flight response because that leg movement or those things that, that you try to do, some people have other, other mechanisms to do, that feeds back to your cerebellum and temporarily strengthens it. This is why exercise, this is two reasons why exercise helps to calm down stress is it, it dampens that, it strengthens that cerebellum and, and dampens that stress response. It also helps to control your blood sugar, which I'm not gonna get into all the chemistry of how that brings down your stress response, but it does too. So that's, I think that's kind of like as much as you need to know about stress at this point in time. And, and I, I, I go back to saying that I believe that it's the, I, this is me, okay, this is me, but I believe that they're gonna come out one day and say this is the cause of the chronic situation that's going on out there. And at first, yeah, I thought it was autoimmunity. My mentor, Dr. Datis Karazian, was the gentleman who first developed the understanding of something called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. That's an immune attack against the thyroid. That was long before anybody had even heard of that. Everybody just thought everybody had hypothyroids and so we found out that the vast majority of it was immune attacks. Now everybody's got immune attacks, right? Back at that time, nobody had it. It was just MS and it was a couple of things. But, but I think it's the stress response that's breaking down the gut and the, and the immune system inside of the sinuses, the lungs, but particularly the gut. I think that's panning out into the rest of the system. And I think that, I think that is what's causing this autoimmune explosion. It's a much, much more stressful situation in society than, uh, than when I was younger and I'm in my late 60s. So um, it, it just, it wasn't perfect, but, but it was a lot less stressful. And we didn't have the stimulation, the constant stimulation to our brain. 
just things seem to be more stable back then in just so many ways. And as I, and as I see this over the years, we're, get, we're not getting less people who have autoimmunity. We're not getting less people who have chronic, but we're getting more and more and more and more. And so I, at the very least, this is a core of people getting sick. But as you can tell, this also perpetuates the things that I believe that it, that it might create in the first place. Now it's off to the races. Now it's parasites, now it's yeast, now it's candida, now it's small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and IBS and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's the way we see it. It's been a pretty successful approach for us to uh, treat that at the same time we're treating other things. That's stress. So you can see why I say it's kind of like, 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 it kind of like straddles the, is that a foundational thing or is that a treatment type of a thing? Again, we have uh, two, two pages that summarize virtually the rest of the person's entire physiology. And we have um, five pages on brain function and stress. So I mean, that kind of like, that kind of represents how we see it. And, and, uh, and I think it's just important for you to know. So that's, I think that's enough. I think that, that kind of covers it. I think that should light you up and really give you kind of like, like where it's at relative to you, give you an opportunity to think whether that's happening or not. So that's stress. Next, so next time we're going to get into the actual physiology, kind of in order. Again, this is back to basics. This is functional medicine back then. So we're going to get it now. We're going to get into the breakdown we're, and 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 kind of the order. There's not an exact order of breakdown into how to attack this, but there is a general order of how to go about this. And we're going to start on that the next time that uh, we meet, and that'll be back to basics on functional medicine. Keep it simple, as my producer said, and uh, and 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 that'll be the start of the treatment portion of of this series. So, I hope you're enjoying this. Um, I like doing it. If you're if you're enjoying this, then then you know please don't miss next week. Next week is kind of a big big deal in most people's uh, uh, journey to wellness. So, okay, that's it for this week. Thank you for watching again, and uh, take care. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.